So we are on our second uh, installment of the word Christian. The series is called Christian. It's an exciting, exciting series for me. Um, We talked about last week about loving each other and what that meant. You know, the word Christian can be loosely defined, very loosely defined in our world today. But there's also the word disciple, which is extraordinarily well defined in the Bible. Last week we talked about the word Christian being in the Bible just three times. And the word disciple many, many times. I don't know if you've ever heard of the author called Annie Rice, or Anne Rice. I, I grew up calling her Annie because when I was younger, I thought it was Annie, but it's actually Anne. She wrote many, many books, uh, gothic-type books. So one of her famous books became a movie, Interview with the Vampire. You ever seen that with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt? Okay, that was written by Anne Rice. And she was a great writer, over 100 million books sold. You know, really the metaphysical stuff, the gothic stuff, the, the fiction. She was raised a Catholic and at 18... She, she writes, I broke away from the church. Um, in her late 50s, she returned to the faith. And that was about 2005. And she published spiritual books at that point. Uh, and in short, she became a Christian because she came to the belief that the, the writers of the New Testament were accurately portraying the historical things that were happening. And so she put her faith in the documents that, that the, we call the Gospels. Therefore, Jesus rose from the dead. So she came back to a faith based on what she believed as, hey, this is real. This really happened. And so even though she left at 18, she comes back to her faith in Christ. Um, and so she writes this book. Uh, called Called Out of Darkness. And she writes this. I'm going to read it to you because I thought it was really interesting to, to, to understand this. She writes, and, and explaining how she came back to faith. God knew how or why everything happened. He knew the disposition of every single soul. He wasn't going to let anything happen by accident. Nobody was going to go to hell by mistake. This was his world, all this. He had complete control of it His justice, His mercy, were not our justice and our mercy. What folly to even imagine such a thing. I didn't have to know how He was going to save the unlettered and the unbaptized. Or how He would redeem the conscientious heathen who had never spoken His name. I didn't have to know how my gay friends would rather find their way to redemption or how my hard-working secular humanist friends could or would receive the power of His saving grace. I didn't know... Why good people suffered agony or died in pain? He knew. And it was His knowing that overwhelmed me. His knowing that became completely real to me. And why should I remain apart from Him just because I couldn't grasp all this? He could grasp it. It was love that brought me into this awareness. Love brought me into a complete trust in Him. A trust that God who made us could never ever abandon us. That the seeming meaninglessness of our world was the limit of our understanding, but never, never the limit of His understanding. Wow, what a, what a gripping you know, conversion back. And then several years later, she writes this on her Facebook page. Today I quit being a Christian. I'm out. I remain committed to Christ as always, but not being a Christian, quote unquote, or to be part of Christianity. It is simply impossible for me to belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious, and deservingly infamous group. For several years I've tried. i failed. I'm an outsider. My conscience will not allow nothing else. My faith in Christ is central to my life, 
My conversion from pessimistic atheist lost in this world I didn't understand to an optimistic believer in a universe created and sustained by a loving God is crucial to me. But following Christ does not mean following His followers. Christ is infinitely more important than Christianity and always will be. No matter what Christianity is, has been, or might be, my commitment to Christ remains at the heart and the center of my life. Transformation in Him is radical and ongoing. That I feel now that I am called to be an outsider for Him, to step away from the words Christian, is something that my conscience demands of me. And some of you, some of you know the tension of wanting a connection with God through Christ, but you feel you're kicked out by religion, by church, people who guilt you to death and seem to want more from you than for you. You know, based on what we learned last week about what Jesus said a disciple is, and what, what we understand what the word Christian is, it's okay for Anna to quit Christianity. Because Christian can be defined, redefined, defined wrong, and applied wrong a thousand different ways. Because it's only used three times in the Bible. But it is, it is a predominant word that everyone uses. So there's a confusion is that when you say you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that it means you're a disciple. Now it should be, we know that from the context of the scripture, they're the same thing because that's what the outsiders called the followers of Jesus. But as you live in your world, that name is loosely thrown out. And the examples and the disputatious uh, group, infamous group called the Christians forget what it really means to be a disciple, the way Jesus defined it. And so, we learn that the disciples in the first century didn't call themselves Christian. They called themselves disciples. And that's terrifying. Because the term is extraordinarily well defined by Jesus. I mean, if you you did a Bible study and looked at the word Christian, you you can kind of almost make up your own definition of Christian. But if you look at the defined words of what a disciple is, a Jesus follower, it's well defined. And last week I shared a passage from the Bible with you. It was John 13. Love one another as I have loved you. You know what's funny? When guys hear that, we go like, oh brother, please. Women are like, yes. Yes. Let's love each other. Let's talk about this. Guys, you, that's a little feminine for us. I'm not sure I'm into that. Don't touch me at church. Don't hug me. It sounds unmanly. It sounds soft. This is word that's out there has the wrong definition according to Jesus. That's what we're doing in this series. Remember who Jesus was. For all the guys you think when he says to love one another that this is soft, that it's feminine, it's unmanly. Remember who said it. This is a 33-year-old man who walked into a city knowing he would be arrested, knowing he would be killed. His friends said, don't do it. And yet he went anyway, confronting the establishments of the religion of this day, saying, I have come as the Messiah and being rejected. Remember, Jesus is 33-year-old. He grew up seeing men on crucified crosses rotting. 
He grew up in the Roman Empire. He, he knew what that meant. It wasn't like he didn't know what crucifixion meant. A man who could have with one word defended himself and been set free, but didn't do it. A man who was beaten, bloody, and carried a beam up a hill and was crucified and suffocated on a cross until his heart gave out. It says, love one another. You know, being a man of the 21st century is really tough for us. we got to sit in traffic for an hour and wait to clear. Oh man, that's rough. Sometimes it's cloudy. My satellite TV doesn't work very well. My Wi-Fi turns off randomly. My garage door breaks. My house leaks. Man, it's, a t- it's tough to be a man in the 21st century. Man. That's my world, I think. Then I look over here and go, what? Huh? Love one and... Whoa. Whoa. Because I can easily be a disciple and then redefine that to word Christian. Where life is hard because my Wi-Fi don't work. Life is hard because there's traffic and I get these angry spells when that happened. That's why it says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the defining characteristic. You know, when you, when you see people who serve the children in church, who are in there in rotation, and we're, we're rotating people, and people that serve, and you know, just from parts of the, of, of the arena of this making a church happen, making a ministry happen. Do you treat them as you would a, a Christian? Or do you treat them as what, as what a disciple would be? Do you love, do you, do you really take them in consideration of their sacrifice and what they're doing to serve? Or do we just assume it, they ought to, they should? Versus, man, let me really appreciate people who serve. Because this is the example that Jesus wants. They're, they're trying to love because it's defined clearly. Love as Jesus. Lay your life down for each other. That's the definition. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. And John who wrote this, 55 years later, John's an old man. The writer here survived the persecution. He's seen the church grow. He defended it against doctoral issues. Peter, Paul, and Matthew are, are dead and executed. He may have been the last one left. Tiberius is dead. Caligula is dead. Claudius is dead. Nero is gone. He survived the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. He saw the Jews banned from Jerusalem. And most important for us... He writes a letter addressing the offshoot of Christianity that measured devotion to God, that measured maturity, that measured the good Christian in terms of knowledge and experience. And that they were ostracizing and being critical of those who did not have the knowledge and had not yet received this special experience. John writes a letter to address that situation in 1 John. That's the context. People that want to love by knowledge, he writes this. Dear friends, which means loved ones, let us love one another. Love comes from God. And you can, you can see the other groups going, when they're reading this letter, because they're, they're going, you still hanging on to that? 
you don't have the knowledge. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. God gave what was most valuable to Him for us. That's the love. What was most valuable to Him, He gave to us. So when Jesus defines disciple, love one another, He's saying, look, I've lived through this. You can do this. But sometimes we just fall back on trying to be Christians. And we don't fall back on being disciples. And that's why this term is so important. That's why this series is so important. Because it redefines what a disciple is. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one who has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. We owe it. We ought to. We're obligated. That's that's what the defining term is. It's defining what a disciple should be. An obligated person that I'm here to love you. That's what it means. God lives in us and His love is made complete in us when we love. What do the outsiders think of you? You know, if you're a disciple, there are people that are outside of you. They're in your neighborhood. They're in your schools. That your job. I wonder what their view of who we are all is. I wonder what their view is. They can write an anonymous Facebook post saying, I have a disciple living near me, and I'm going to write without getting any, any lashback on me. I'm going to tell what I see. Because that's what it means. I don't think people need to quit Christianity. That's not my point. But how do you blame them when they see the wrong version of what a disciple is? I mean, Christianity is really, it's hurt when I share my faith. When you share your faith, it hurts. Because you, you, you come across that person like, I want nothing to do with Christianity. You're like, what, what, did, I, what did I do? It, it maybe it wasn't me personally, but it was someone that they claimed to be a Christian who failed to love. Because what's our first instinct when we, when we share the Bible with someone? I'm going to get him to, re, to admit he's not a Christian. I'm a disciple. I know what a disciple is, so therefore you cannot be one. So I'm here to prove for you cannot be one disciple. Imagine if we just said, you know what? I don't know what you are or who you are, but I'm going to love you. Amen. And through our love and our friendship, yeah. I'm going to find out. And you're going to find out about me and I'm going to find out about you. Yeah. And we're going to help each other. Yeah. And we're going to talk to each other. I mean, if Jesus had His way, when people thought about Christians or church... They would not think a quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious, and deservedly infamous group. They would not think that if Jesus had his way. You know what they would think? Best neighbor, best neighbor ever. 
they would think, best employee ever. Man. A friend. I love doing business with those people. They're honest. They're self-disciplined. They're self-controlled. They fight for their marriages, not with their spouses. They're generous. They're kind. If Jesus had his way, that's what their view would be. The view of the world. Isn't that a good view to have? Sometimes we're the ones going, that's the best neighbor ever, and I never see him go to church. And we're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I've had those moments where I wasn't a good neighbor. Hopefully I've had more good than bad, but you know when you're not a good neighbor. I know when I'm not a good neighbor when I'm the last guy to put my trash cans in because I don't feel like it. I know that feeling. I'm tired. I, it's a late, I, I, was, I was out late helping people. I'm not getting my trash cans. What have you been doing all day in your homes? What have you been doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my avocado tree go grow over the fence against HOA rules. I'm trying to give these to the neighborhood. I know the feeling. I've been there. I get the letter from the HOA. And I get an attitude. I bet you they're not thinking, wow, it's the best guy we have. They're thinking like, why is that guy not cutting his tree? So I'm with you. I understand. But that's how extraordinarily well defined Jesus puts his disciples to a higher standard. It is a higher standard. It's well defined in Scripture. Not the word Christian, which is kind of be loosely, you can make up a definition. But disciple, you can't. You just can't do it. It's there. You know what the outside, if Jesus had his way, the women would be like, man, those single Christian men, man, they're different. The way they treat women, the way they open their door for them, the way they respect them. Wow. If Jesus had his way, what people would look, they, don't, they, they won't feel coerced. They're not feeling like they're, we're trying to impose our life on them. They feel drawn in. Guilty, but not condemned. See, I want to build relationships with people that are, that are in my area of, of, of influence. I'm not trying to push my convictions on them. I'm just trying to love them. I'm not trying to coerce them. And hopefully, because of that love I'm giving them, they become open to whom I serve. Am I inviting them? Yes, I'm inviting them. But I'm loving them. I think that's what, the, that's what the, a disciple ought to do. Is love people. There are some people that I randomly meet and invite to church randomly. I meet them for 30 seconds of their history of their life. Boom, here's an invitation. Love you come to church. Do you want to come? Okay, good. There's people that do like that. In, at the gas station or at the food line. I'm there. I'm doing it. See a guy eating by himself at a restaurant? Here. I'm not a waiter. I just want to give you this. <laughs> I've done that. But there are other people that I invest time into. Because I see them more often. 
And I wonder what they're viewing of me. I don't live my life for what they think of me, but I'm, I'm wondering, going, do they feel like I'm pushing this on them? Or do they feel drawn in by my life? Do they feel coerced, like, oh, every time I got to hang out with them, he's going to mention church. <laughs> I don't want that kind of relationship. Amen. I want a friendship. Because I have friends who I'm friends with that are complete heathens. They have a life that I would never condone, but I don't judge them. Because you know why? Because they're not a disciple. And I'll get into that next week. I'm not going, oh, you're not living a good life. Well, I don't expect them to. A disciple, one who claims to be one, there's a little higher standard because they said, I am this. Okay, this is what that means. But not for someone who's not a disciple. And I think that's where Anne sometimes, and we run to people who want to hold a standard to everyone. But they don't have the standard because that's not what they are. There's a big difference. I think if we allow love, the way Jesus describes love, to be the filter for everything, there would be few quitters and more joiners. That's what I believe. I think that's what Jesus really wants from all of us. So maybe we should all quit being Christian and all start being disciples. Maybe we should quit not loving others the way our our Savior Jesus loved us. And learn to love following the example that Jesus gave. And one more thing. Don't miss next week because we're going to talk about insiders and outsiders and what that means as far as Christianity. Okay? Have a great afternoon. Thanks for your time. And God bless you.